Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of the Asian Tales. This podcast is meant to share our life's journey being Asian with the experiences and realizations we've made along the way. The Asian Tales is a beacon for individuals to look towards. Today's guest is the amazing Vivo. V is the current Miss Asian America and a Vietnamese immigrant. She shares her heart to the world while describing what it was like moving from Vietnam to the U.S. at a young age and the importance of language to her, both Vietnamese and English. From her grandma saving up enough gold for her uncle to leave a country dealing with war to classmates making fun of her for having a Vietnamese lunch at school, she tells her tale. Hello, V. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome on. How are you doing today? Hi, Diamond. What's it like over in California, right? You're in California, right? Um, No, I'm actually, so here is what's going on. So I'm actually from Anaheim, California, but I'm currently working in Arizona because my partner is here. And so I am working as a physician assistant at an urgent care and the office is located in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. 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 But you're originally from California. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was born in Vietnam, but I moved to California. Um, So I was born there in Vietnam and my family and I decided to move to Anaheim, California, where my grandparents are when I was about nine years old. So we lived there for a few years. Then I moved to Florida and stayed there for about 10 years. So I did my middle school there, high school, college, and I also did my PA training there. So for a long time, my plan is to eventually one day move back to Anaheim. I'm in the process of getting like a house with my dad because he's there right now. Um, so eventually I want to move back there and I want to help the Vietnamese community there because there's a very large Vietnamese community in Anaheim, California. So eventually I'm going to move back, but right now I'm still with my partner and we're still living in Arizona. I didn't know that you were from Vietnam. I, th- I feel like that's crazy since we've just spent like the last, what, like three months getting to know each other. I didn't know you were from Vietnam. Yeah, I was actually born there. I lived there for nine years. So that's a long time. So So you grew up speaking Vietnamese. Yeah, I did. So that's why I'm very fluent in both Vietnamese and English. I do speak a little Mandarin Chinese too. And I know you speak a little Mandarin Chinese, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not (laughs) enough to have like a political debate with someone, but enough to survive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can try to have a conversation later. We'll see how much I can understand. (laughs) I'm sure your speaker is better than mine. <laughs> so, do you speak Vietnamese when you when you moved to Anaheim with your family? Did you speak Vietnamese primarily in the household at home? I still do now because my parents they don't speak a lot of English, and so even now I speak Vietnamese with them um, all the time. So that is how I am able to uh, keep my fluency, and mm-hmm. I utilize that with my patients as well. Believe it or not. So it's very helpful being bilingual and keeping that traditions and keeping that language because oftentimes patients come to me and they don't speak English very well and we don't have a translator in our clinic. So being able to speak Vietnamese, it's just great for them. The area that you're at have a big Vietnamese population? Yeah. Really? 
Yes, yeah. In the Phoenix area, there's a very large Vietnamese um, community. And I'm actually trying to get more in touch with them to do a lot more events with them and be more involved with like the activities here with the Vietnamese community in Arizona. Surprisingly, when I first moved here, I didn't know that there was so, such a large Vietnamese community here. Then I reached out to some people and I found out that like, wow. And seeing patients too, Vietnamese patients. And I was like, wow, like I didn't know that there were so many Vietnamese people living here in Arizona. Because mostly it's in California or mm -hmm. Texas or mm -hmm. Orlando in Florida. So that was surprising. <laughs> so since you said that you speak Vietnamese with a lot of your patients who come in and you have a big Vietnamese population, is it people that have moved from Vietnam that are there or first generation individuals primarily in that area? It's a mix of both. Some have moved here a couple years ago and some have lived here for a long time, but they just never really, I mean, like, even if they are able to understand English on a conversational level, it's hard mm -hmm. to understand these medical terms, you know? Totally. Yeah. So for me, like at first, when I first started, I, I was just like, I need to look up all these medical terms. How am I going to say kidney in Vietnamese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I, luckily I lived in Orlando for a long time when I was doing my, my training for, for PA school. Mm -hmm. And I volunteer a lot. So I was exposed to a very large Vietnamese population there. And so I was able to pick up these medical terms and learn these medical um, words and translation. So that really helped me a lot. But before any of this, I was just like, I don't know. I can speak with you. I'm not going to be able to translate. Like, hey, you have You're like using loose slang for terms. You're like, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> and don't yeah. <laughs> if you know English, like it's hard to understand. Yeah. You have to explain to your patients using layman's terms for them to be able to fully understand because not uh -huh. everyone, I mean, same thing with other careers, like my friends who are in finance or accounting and they're trying to explain, you know, what they do and what's going on in their office. And I'm just like, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> these words, but it's hard. Yeah. No, I totally get when I was living in China, I had to go to the Chinese doctor for female care. And I didn't know the words for certain areas, but I knew <laughs> the slang words for certain areas. So I was trying to explain what was happening. And I was like, you know, the slang word for this. And the doctor is just looking at me like, God, this Laowai. <laughs> Lao Wai is like a, a term for foreigner just coming oh. over into China because <laughs> I didn't know and I didn't know excuse me I didn't know how to get to a doctor's office that had an English speaking doctor so I just went to the nearby clinic which was all Chinese and only had Chinese speaking doctors and the university I worked for my insurance covered me at this clinic so I had gone so I could get free treatment and I was just like yeah this word like this. I was just going in for like a regular pap. I just needed a pap done. And I, yeah. but I didn't know how to explain that without being very crude in my definition. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Just like thinking about you saying that, like a slang word for that. I was like, I know this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh. 
<laughs> I'm very grateful. My doctor, she was awesome. And she totally got what I was saying. But initially, she was like, gosh, this foreigner. And then after that initial part, she's like, okay, okay, I understand what you need. Like, I got you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I know. Like the proper word. She she pulled it up on her computer for the translation. And then we just started using Google Translate for on there. <laughs> well, not Google Translate. They use Pleco or something else. But you know what I mean? Like we just use the translating system because I was dying, V. My face was so red because I knew what I was saying. You know, when you're like, you know what you're saying. And I'm just like, I, I'm trying to express this, but I have to use this really vulgar term right now to do it. <laughs> Oh my God. Language is so important. I want to move back to you moving over from Vietnam when you were a kid. Uh, what, why did you move? Why did you come over to Anaheim? So a long time ago, before my mom met my dad, he, so my, my, it all started with my uncle. So my dad's oldest brother, okay. he actually came by boat. Like he escaped the country, escaped the war because mm -hmm. at the time they require him to uh, join the army and you know be in the communist party and then he just didn't believe in that and he didn't want to mm -hmm. do that so he decided to escape the country back then this is just from stories that my grandmother told me but you have to kind of bribe them you have to give them gold um mm -hmm. the ship owners for them to kind of you know kind of get you on the boat and did you say um, gold yeah, like gold. That's like a pirate's fee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you have to like, and you have to like give them gold, like pieces of gold. Um, so my grandmother at the time, she was very poor, but she mm -hmm. was able to save up like from, you know, years of saving. And back then, like gold was very precious because gold never loses its value, even now. Mm -hmm. So she gave everything to him because, of course, she wants him to have a good life and she doesn't want him to, like, die and go into the army and suffer. And so she was like, okay, like, here's all the gold I have. Like, take it and give it to the owner so they can take it. They can take you um, across the sea. You know, hopefully you can go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So at the time, he didn't know where he was going to go. So either, like, the Philippines or even, like, the UK or the U.S., wherever it is, what happens is that you go on the boat, this is very small boat, it's not even like a ship, it's like this small boat. And they will take you in the middle of the sea, they'll try to go as far as they can, but if something happens and you get, you know, the boat is flipped or something and you get lost at sea, like that's it, it's over, like you die. And, mm -hmm. and, and people, people have died on the ship. And it's crazy because my uncle was telling me the story and he was like, it was so crowded, like this small boat with like hundreds, like maybe like a hundred or 200 people on there. Mm -hmm. And some have like starved and died and they would, ha they have to like push them off into the ocean. Um, and he was like, I've heard stories where my friend's ship, like they had to eat the people who died because. Oh my goodness. Starving. Yeah. It's so scary. Of course, he didn't do that, but he was like, yeah, my friends who, like, came after me told, you know, we, like, share stories with each other, and mm -hmm, his book, mm -hmm. people were eating other people because they were so hungry, like, they were starving, and they were stuck in the middle of the sea, so, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think that's the worst thing that could happen, and so, luckily for him, 
he um the boat like ran out of fuel and they they got stuck in like this island and luckily at that time there was another ship from the philippines who who was like passing by they saw him and like every, all the survivors that were still um alive and they asked him like hey what's going on and they explained their situation we're trying to run away from our country the war and so they were able to be saved like they went on the boat lived in the philippines for a few years and then you know americans um they they come to the philippines to do a lot of work and mm -hmm. i think they offer a lot of like refugees an opportunity to come to america to live so at the time i think he lived there for a few years and then he got an opportunity to go to the u.s because he was sponsored by one of the people there to come as a refugee. So he went to the US, he came to California um, and he lived there, that's where he met my aunt. And then 10 years later, he called back to our family and was like, hey, if anyone else wants to go to America, let me know so I can do the paperwork and I can do like chain immigration is what it's called to sponsor for you guys to come over here and have a better future, have a better life. At the time, my dad was like, hey, I already have a life here. The war is over. I met someone. I'm going to start a family. And everyone else, like, didn't want to go. My grandparents were, like, they were kind of, like, iffy, but they're, like, okay, we'll go. So my uncle sponsored for my grandparents to go to America. And fast forward 10 years later, they asked my, my dad again, hey, this is the last chance. Like, if you say no now, you would never be able to go to the United States. Mm -hmm. Why don't you think about like your family members, um, uh, creating a better future for your children. So that's when my dad was like, okay, fine, like I'll go. So my whole family like decided to uproot everything. My, at the time, my dad was a driver. So he drove like tourists around, mm -hmm. tours and stuff. And my mom was actually a teacher and an entrepreneur in Vietnam. So she was very successful. Like she had her own company and everything, but then she had to like sell her company, uprooted her life so that we could go to America for us, for my brother and I to have a better future. So I came when I was about nine years old and my brother was three years old. Mm -hmm. And now I'm 26 and my brother is 21. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then when we first moved here, it was completely different than what I imagined. Because in Vietnam, you idolize these Americans so much Anything from America that we get, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I would get like hand, um, hand me down by like from my cousins who are from America. Mm -hmm. And it would like make my day. I mean, they're hand me down, like they're just old clothes that they wore and they didn't want anymore. And it would make my whole year because I'm like, oh my gosh, these clothes are made in America. It's so great. Like it's the best thing ever. So growing up, I would like, you know, I love those hand-me-downs from like, you know, my cousins from America. And so I imagined America to be like, oh, this like great country, like amazing. We're gonna live in like a, such a big house because everything in America is so big, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why my understanding was. So I was like, oh, we're gonna live in this big house. We're gonna uh, ha like eat all the food we want, all these American food. We're gonna have a great life there. Um, when we got there, it was a completely different story of course, like reality hits. And like at the time, I mean, my grandparents sponsor us to be over here along with my uncle, but not everything was big and grand and 
like what I thought it would be. We came and we stay, like my whole family, four of us, stay in just this one small room um, with my grandparents. And so my, 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 it was a shock because I was like, wow, like this is not what I thought it would be like. And my mom struggled a lot to find mm -hmm. a job and she couldn't find a job for a year because no one wanted someone who didn't speak English, you know? And that was a different, completely different experience for her because coming from being, owning your own, own company, being an entrepreneur, um, having control over, over all these things and going to a country where no one want you to work for them. You don't have a job, you can't make money, you can't support your family. It was very tough. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were a lot of times when she cried and cries because my brother and I didn't speak English. We struggle a lot in school. My dad couldn't find a job either. Um, so for a year, like we really just depended on my uncle, fa uncle's family to help us financially. So mm -hmm. we it was tough, and we all lived in this like only one bed, like one queen's bed in this room. And all four of us like took turns sleeping on it. Of course, like my my mom and dad would like let my brother and I sleep on the bed, and they would sleep on the ground. But being nine, I still understood why they did that. And I was like, hey, like let's take turns. I love sleeping on the ground, right? Like I love like sleeping here and, and all that. So we never had toys. So I was just like, oh my gosh, this is completely different than Vietnam, and completely different from what I imagined America to be. Did you so, regret it when you first, when it was, when you were in like your initial transitioning stage? Did you hate it? I hated it so much because I didn't have any friends. And like for that year, I had to start school right away. When I moved here, like I was supposed to be in like middle or I was supposed to be in like fifth grade um, or sixth grade, something like that in Vietnam. But mm -hmm. when I here, they had to put me um, in fourth grade because that was like my, um, despite my age, like that was like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. They just said that she needs to be in fourth grade so that she can develop her English and learn English before she could oh, go, oh, to, oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. go to middle school. Um, and I remember going to school and I um, didn't know any English. I couldn't get like I had to pack lunch at the time, you know, you can get lunch at school uh -huh. from a poor family. You can get either reduced lunch or free lunch. Uh -huh. But since I didn't know how to speak English, like I didn't, I didn't have anyone helping me and I didn't have any knowledge about like, Oh, you could get lunch at school. I thought we had to pay for it. And so I didn't like do the paperwork that's required to get, to be able to be qualified for it. So I always pack lunch and being an Asian family, my mom always packs like the craziest food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to pack like all these sauces, which is good for me. Like, I love it. But like, you know, to like foreigners, they're like, oh, like, what is that sauce? You know, like no one wanted to sit next to me because I was eating like strange food and being middle school. Of course, like these kids, they don't understand. Like they're mm -hmm. not like, being inclusive and, and they're like okay let's like accept her and let's let's be friends with her she's from a different culture like back then too it was like in 2003 when we moved so you can imagine they're like why is this Asian girl eating something so weird and smells so bad and I'm just sitting here like this is so good like so <laughs> yummy. And like, 
<laughs> and I'm looking around, everyone's like eating um, like Lunchables, like sandwiches, hot dogs, burgers, chicken nuggets. I was just like, oh man, that looks so good. But I was like, okay, we probably can't afford to, to buy it, buy the lunch at school. So I just, I never asked anyone or I never asked my mom for money for the lunch. And I didn't know they were free either. Um, mm -hmm. So I kept like, you know, eating lunch that's packed by my mom. <clears throat> I remember that there was a time when these kids would come and they would um, like throw the sauces because my mom would pack the sauce in a different container and they knew that it was like, a, you know, like the sauce didn't smell good or whatever. It didn't look good either to them. It looked weird. And so they would come and, and, and just like grab the sauce. They were throwing the sauce to each other. It was in this container and they were like throwing it to each other. And I was just sitting there like, like, what the heck? Like, I need the sauce to eat with my, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I just like felt so bad because they were just like making fun of me about it. I was bullied so many times in, in school because of what I ate. You know, I didn't speak English. I was very quiet. So that whole year, I regretted being in America, moving to America. I, I asked my parents all the time, like, why did we have to move? I mean, this is not what I imagined. I mm -hmm. don't have friends. People are making fun of what I eat at lunch. Um, I just, like, hate it here. We have to live in this small room. We can't go out to eat because we can't afford it. Um, you know, we have to always, like, buy groceries and, like, cook in, in our home. We can't go out. We can't even go to McDonald's to, to buy food because we can't afford it. And my mom would be like, hey, I mean, even though she probably felt the same way, mm -hmm. but she just like, I don't know, you know how Asian parents are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how they feel. So they try to hide everything. So they're like, my mom was like, it's okay. You'll get used to it. You'll pick up the English language really fast. Just keep pushing yourself, keep going to school, keep learning, keep studying. And every day I would, borrow like a textbook from school from like the library I would go home and try to study English I was trying to push myself um, I was able to pick up English and learn English like after a year like I was able to communicate really fast um, after half a year I was able to like communicate somewhat but like after a year that's when I was like more confident and I was able to make more friends so the first year was like the toughest my brother didn't have to go to school he just stay home because he was so young he was like mm -hmm. three <laughs> so he didn't have to have that issue um but for me and I like, guess when he starts school they start learning English all at the same time yeah. right like daycare <laughs> kindergarten whatever <laughs> yeah he started kindergarten so I'm like they all learn the same <laughs> same yeah. time so he didn't have that issue for me I was like bully so many times because of that and I remember like being math class because in Vietnam I was supposed to be in like fifth grade so in terms of math I was more advanced Mm -hmm. And I remember like the teachers would have all these like problems on the, on the whiteboard. And I knew the answers. Like I was like dying to answer. I'm like, these are so easy. Like I want to answer them so bad because when you get, when you get an answer, right, you get a gummy, like a gummy worm. Mm -hmm. And I remember like looking at that jar and I was like, oh my gosh, I want a gummy worm so bad. I want one because I, my parents are not, my parents aren't going to buy it for me. And yeah. I want the gummy worm. 
and in my head, like I knew the answers, but I didn't know how to answer them in English. So I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was dying. Um, so that, that was tough too. I was just like, man, like this is, this is just really hard. So I train, I like forced myself to learn English um, quickly. So that How I'm frustrating to- too, especially <laughs> since you're saying that your family can't afford these snacks and stuff. And you're like, I actually know that answer. Like I know all of these answers. I just cannot communicate with you the way <laughs> that you want to hear it. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's not like, I'm sure, I think at the time, like, I'm sure if I asked my mom or my dad, like, Hey, can we go to the store and can we buy that? Like they would buy for me because they love Mm -hmm. me. But like, I knew like, even at such a young age, like I knew that I didn't want them to spend money on me, you know, Mm -hmm. on something that's Mm -hmm. not needed, especially when my mom was sick and we needed money for something else. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, like, Hey, the gummies in class are free. If I can get those, that's all I need. <laughs> mm-hmm. But for me, not being able to answer them, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just have to study. I have to push myself and study. That's the only thing. When did you suddenly realize you're like, hey, this isn't too bad. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Like, this is fun. I've got friends. I'm going, I'm going strong. I'm getting good grades. I'm going to go on to further my edge. You know, like, when, when did you suddenly realize that, like, oh, now I'm living a comfortable life here. Now I'm not, now I'm not on the, the lower end. I'm not being bullied for this. I'm not doing yada, yada, yada. I think after a year, like after I learned English, after one year, I was able to stand up for myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, when the kids bully me for whatever reasons, whether it's my- What pack- do you mean by bully? Do you mean like physically bully, verbally bully, like tricks played on you? Well, like tricks, like, you know, when I was eating the lunch, they would throw away the, they would throw the sauces to each other mm-hmm. way to like make fun of me. Cause like, Oh, the stinky sauce, like here, you take it. No, you take it, you know, like to mm-hmm. each other while I'm sitting there like, Hey guys, like this is my lunch. <laughs> the right? same people are going out for fun on the weekends now and <laughs> getting Vietnamese <laughs> food. <laughs> All right. Hey, if they're watching, <laughs> if I don't, <laughs> but yeah, like, like just making fun of me, like, oh, she's eating such a stinky sauce. I'm sure, like, there were kids, like at the time, it maybe mm-hmm. it didn't, they are not able to understand that. But just they're just throwing at each other, like, I don't want it, you take it, I don't want it, you take it. Um, and then sometimes, like, they will say, call me names too, you know. Um, I've been called racial slurs so many times. Even now, I still do. Like, some of my patients would call me racial slurs. Really? Like what? Um, I had a situation where I asked this patient to leave because he was being very aggressive and combative to my staff members. And we're like, hey, mm-hmm. if you're being rude like this and if you're being aggressive, we don't have to treat you. You should mm-hmm. leave. And then he got really mad. I was just standing up for my staff. And he got really mm-hmm. mad. Like you Chinese, and then call me the B word. Like you Chinese B, blah blah. blah. You know, go back to your country. Yeah. Even though he was like, um, I, he was like uh, Hispanic, as you know, he mm-hmm. was Hispanic, and it just baffled me because I, I feel like as a person of color, he should be able to, you know, empathize and mm-hmm. be understanding. But for him to call me that, 
I was just like, first of all, you know, I was polite the whole time. I was like, first of all, I am Vietnamese and not Chinese. And it's very rude for you to say that and uncalled for. And please uh -huh. leave, you know, our clinic because this is, we cannot tolerate something like this. And he, uh -huh. he wouldn't leave. He, could, he didn't leave until I, we had to call the police to escort him out. Wow. I know. It's so crazy. And I have is, all that all the time. Is there a, is there a Vietnamese-specific slur? Because I know that I've heard of Chinese-specific slurs. Rhymes with rink, starts with CH. <laughs> that's, that's the Chinese <laughs> oh, one that I I've heard. Um, Vietnamese. I don't know any slurs in particular. Mm -hmm. I've, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. I've been called. I've been made fun of for um, just like a typical like stereotype, you know, like oh, mm -hmm. I pet my parents. All they do is nails because that's all Vietnamese people do is nails. Mm. And I'm just like, what's wrong with doing nails? My mom is able to do that and make a living out of that, and able to provide for me so that I can have a good future. What's wrong with that? It's still they a job. make bank. They, yeah, <laughs> my mom has her own nail salon now. You know, she's mm -hmm. able to support us through everything. I mean, yeah, we struggled the first few years a lot, but after she was able to pick up English and she's able to find a job as a nail technician, we were able to live very comfortably moving forward. Mm -hmm. We were in Florida, like we were able to, you know, live a comfortable life. Like, what's wrong with doing nails? But I've had a lot of kids and people who have made fun of me because they're like, oh, you know, like what do your parents do? Like, I bet they, they only do nails, you know, like stop your kids. You're like, yeah, my mom does your mom's nails. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I bet your mom needs my mom. Though. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know of any like slurs in particular, but mm -hmm. it's just a stereotype that, you know, everyone will probably use um, against mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. what, what sort of advice would you give to young individuals who may be in a similar position that you were in? So more, more specifically, someone who maybe their English skills aren't as strong, they're trying their best, they're in this situation. What sort of advice would you give to someone like that? If you could give advice to your younger self, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I think even at that age, I understood that only I can help myself. Mm -hmm. Only I can get out of this like misery, right? So you just need to tell yourself that even though you're feeling like bad and you're like, oh, I wish this didn't happen to me. I wish I didn't move. I mm -hmm. wish I was bully. I wish I knew English. Instead of like wishing for that, you can change. You can do something to change that. For me, it was, hey, study harder. It's go home instead of playing outside with your brother or doing this and that read a book learn the words take the time out because if you dedicate that time now you can enjoy it later mm -hmm. right my that's what i tell myself um growing up even in pa school and college and high school struggle now make the sacrifices now study now so that you can have a good life later you can enjoy it later mm -hmm. um, so I, I would tell someone who is going through the same thing, struggling English, make that sacrifice. 
instead of just instead of playing i mean i'm not saying like study all the time but dedicate more a little bit more time towards putting more effort towards that reading that book learning that english mm-hmm. so that it can help you later that can be applied to moving to any country i suppose yeah. if you're leaving and you're going into a country that doesn't speak english but maybe you're moving to vietnam or something like that you just that little extra time will just pay off down the line in the future sure even if i were to move to another country now and not knowing the language like take mm-hmm. that time out to dedicate towards learning the language it's gonna be a big help moving forward living in that country mm-hmm. i totally agree all right v i think that is all the time we have for today oh. thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story i really appreciate it. i feel like i really got to know you today that's good. Thank you so much for interviewing me or having me on this podcast <laughs> and allowing me to talk about my story. Because like I said, I really, I don't think I've shared my, my struggle as an immigrant when I first moved here with anyone. So thank you for allowing me to share that. No problem. Um, if our listeners want to get more of you, where can they find you at? Well, I have an Instagram. So Vivo. So my first and last name. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and then I just add the, you know, I made a pun. Vivo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> V-Y-V-O-G-U-E. Um, and you can look me up, Vivo, on Facebook as well. And also awesome. Miss Asian America Instagram. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are running that now. Awesome. All right, V, thank you so much. And we will catch you next time. Thank you, Diamond. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you want to catch V's bonus mini episode, you can over on Patreon underneath the Asian Tales podcast. V participates in a fun Q&A segment. We hope to see you over there. As always, thank you so much for your support and we will catch you next time.